On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk gets Model 3 serial number one for his birthday. Model X finally fulfills the promise of its original prototype. The next-gen Tesla Roadster may be closer to production than we think, and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning. It is the Tesla unofficial podcast, episode 102 for July 16th, 2017. And it's a, it's like a real radio morning show today, at least as I recorded. It's 7 a.m. as I record this. Normally, I would have done the show last night. Have uh, the, uh, the, the wife and child are off on a tr- little trip with their in-laws. Some of us have to work around here. So I've got a I've got the house to myself. I had to get up real early to take him to the airport. So yeah, I feel like a real radio morning guy now. Yeah, coming at you. It is 7 10 a.m. here. No, that's uh it is good to be here for another week of Tesla News. Uh Model 3 serial number one, which I mentioned I talked a lot about last week and the you know my take on its significance. It did officially get finished up and photographed and revealed to the world on Saturday, of course. Uh, Finished up on Saturday. And if you're curious about it, if you haven't seen the picture on Elon's Twitter feed, it is indeed black, uh, which I suspected it probably would be. It's got the 19-inch wheels, uh, and it's the black interior as well, which we certainly expected because that is the word on the street that they're all going to be for a while is black interior in order to simplify production. And it is indeed going to Elon Musk, but it's not quite as easy of a story uh, as I as I would have originally predicted. I'll tell you about that in a second. But it's also got the same wood grain trim on the interior, on the dashboard, that we've seen on most, if not all, of the release candidates. Also interesting about this car, no badging on the back of it, at least as of now, uh, at least when it was when it was photographed for its its public debut. So not only does it not have a battery badging, i.e., seventy five, it also doesn't even have a Model Three badge on the left side of the trunk. I suspect this is probably to avoid uh, revealing anything in case anybody takes any photos, any spy shots of any of the first, you know, 30 or so batch of cars that are due to be delivered at the event on the 28th. I suspect they they don't want that, the actual battery size leaking out there, even though it already has. They just don't want to officially confirm it. You know, we're looking at 60 kilowatt hour and 75 kilowatt hour. Now, regarding how Elon came upon this car, it wasn't just his from the beginning. Turns out, VIN number one was originally promised elsewhere. Venture capitalist Ira Ehrenpreis, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, he's on the Tesla board of directors. He, uh, he had the rights to, to VIN number one. Elon said on Twitter when, when uh, he was asked about this, he said, it's who is first to pay full price for the car? Hard rule. I have first Roadster and X, but not the first S. Of course, Steve Jerviston, another investor and a board member of Tesla, the story goes, I think I told you last week that Steve slapped his checkbook down on the table when they greenlit the S and said, I want the first one. So apparently, this gentleman, Ira Ehrenpreis, did the same thing for Model 3. However, Elon tweeting, uh, Ira Ehrenpreis had rights to first car as he was first to place a full deposit but gave those rights to me as my 46th birthday present. Thanks, Ira. Ira replying on Twitter, You deserve it. Much love and respect for everything you do for Tesla Motors, renewables, and our planet. Hashtag, no one works harder. So, that's cool. I mean, Ira, uh, pardon me, Ira will still get, I, I combine them into one person, Elon and, and Ira. They're, they're Ira now. No, uh, <laughs> it's, it, Ira is still going to get VIN number two, which will be really cool for him, and he'll always have a good story about that. But Elon Musk getting VIN number one. And also this week, Elon noting that he's been spending time on the Model 3 production line, saying, quote, uh, 
going over the small nuances of Model 3 production, very important that nothing sounds tinny. And then he posted a, a link to a, uh, a Monty Python video in typical, typical Elon humor fashion. So uh, it's great to hear that he is spending time really combing through the line, checking these cars, making sure they're the best they can be. You recall he did that with the Model S as well in the beginning. He was, he was spending time personally inspecting cars, going through the line. So I'm really happy to hear that he's doing that again because that is inevitably going to result in better cars for all of us. Even if, you know, even if it's just in the smallest of ways, like maybe they're, as he sort of alludes to about nothing sounding tinny, I know he's, you know, being a bit cheeky there, but even if, say, the, the way the door closes makes a more pleasing sound by the time you get your car after, after Elon's given some feedback on the assembly line. So that's good stuff there. Production is happening. It is, I won't say it's in full swing because it's obviously not in full swing yet, but we're past release candidates and production Model 3s are now being assembled. Speaking of which, uh, Midnight Silver Metallic, the last paint color that Tesla offers on the S and the X that we had not yet seen on the Model 3 has in fact been spotted on a Model 3 release candidate and photographed in the wild. So it uh, that is that is good to hear. I mean, it, it, it would have been really weird had w that one color not been made available, particularly since it's not one of the multi-coat colors. There are, of course, two multi-coat colors, uh, the uh, white, pearl white, and multi-coat red. But that is, uh, that is nice to see that the Midnight Silver Metallic, which is basically, it's, a, it's the dark gray. It's not the original gray, you'll recall, if, uh, if you've been following Tesla for some time, that uh, Tesla switched that uh, gray some time back from, from a, what was originally called a dolphin gray. So it was kind of a lighter gray that, true to its name, resembled, <laughs> resembled a dolphin a bit. I actually really like that gray, uh, particularly when paired with the dark gray wheels. But this gray, uh, the Midnight Silver Metallic, if you haven't seen it, it, it actually, the best way I can put it is it basically matches, it matches the dark gray wheels almost exactly. So that is the color that it is. And uh, it, is, it is good to see it out there. So that, that makes it all but official. Uh, so we'll have to see now if Elon has any surprises for July 28th. Perhaps, you know, maybe matte black. I've, I've given my opinion before on why I think that probably won't happen at least not for the time being, but uh, we'll see if maybe there are any other surprise colors, maybe signature red, even though, you know, it's that's kind of since been debunked. It, it appears that that signature red that I was freaking out about was in fact uh, the, uh, instead, it, rather than actual signature red, it was just sort of either weird, weird, a weird camera or weird lighting or both. Uh, I'm not sure, but in any case, it looks like it's the standard run of, run of colors, and that's good because now you can at least you can go to any Tesla store you want and at least see them in person. Because you got to see them in person. Don't rely on the design studio because that is those are renders. That's not a good representation of what these colors look like in real life. Moving on this week, I wanted to bring up something that I managed to totally forget about last week in my excitement over the. Uh, performance updates to Model S, and that is the Model X seating change. This was a big deal, particularly for families and, and a lot of the original reservation holders of the X. Uh, this, this really stuck in a lot of people's craw, and Tesla now finally rectifying it. The seven-seat Model X now features a fold-flat second row. So the, they've removed, they've changed the seat design for row two. It is no, not a the monopost sculpture, quote-unquote sculpture seat anymore in the seven-seater. The seven-seater will instead, there, now there, there is sort of carry-on space underneath the seats, which is nice, uh, but they, they fold down along with the third row, of course. So now you can 
finally, if you go back and look at the original prototype unveiling of the Model X from two early, I believe it was January, if not January, then February, January of 2012. It was in fact before the Model S shipped, they showed the prototype for the X and and they very famously show everything folding down and you just have this absolutely cavernous amount of cargo space. So that uh, original promise of the prototype has now been fulfilled. Uh, if you do still like those sculpture-like monopost seats, which, I mean, hey, they are beautiful. They're just, <laughs> they're, they're, they're very, very gorgeous if you've seen them in person. But again, not, just, you know, clearly not as practical as a full fold-down seat. You need to order the six-seat Model S to get those seats. Uh, and of course, the six-seat option has the, the space, the, the gap in the middle, unless there's now the, of course, I mentioned it several shows back when they uh, announced it and, and implemented it, there's that optional second-row center console that you can get as well. So uh, I would think with this change for the, the with the seven-seater, I've got to figure that the Model X should now have the best-in-class cargo capacity of any SUV because I know that previously I believe it was a Volvo maybe the XC90 I think that had edged it out uh, because of those second row the lack of folding in the, the second row there so uh, good stuff from Tesla it took them a year and a half to to uh, finally sort this out but it's good to see that they did and I suspect that should help it might not noticeably goose Model X sales, but it's probably one of those things over time where it'll do a, uh, it, it will have a positive effect. And granted, reviews are, are all done for Model X at this point. You probably won't necessarily see a lot of press on this uh, until publications start maybe reevaluating the X and taking second looks at it. But uh, word will get around, and certainly when people visit the showrooms, it will it will be apparent to them that like oh okay well and that'll really help to differentiate the S from the X because uh, taking the word of many a, model, a Tesla owner Model S and Model X apparently the S actually had more functional cargo capacity than the X did because the you know the the S can fold those seats down and just had the big flat cave effectively to to put things into and those you know the seats that didn't fold down in the x really really limited that uh the the amount of stuff you could cram in there so good stuff from tesla there now uh i want to say the performance uh, i was talking about last week with the increase in performance on the model s 75 and the very very slight increase on the model s 100d the the next gen roadster may be coming sooner than than certainly I thought. Because uh, this is a scoop from Teslarati and my friends Kim and Pedram over at Like Tesla, their YouTube channel. Tesla has added a secret reward tier to the referral program. If you look in your on the Tesla app, they have a they have a a loot box in there now. So they're kind of it's taking taking uh, the gamification of the uh, of the referral program and, and taking that to the next level. So there is a screen now. If you get if you make five referrals, which uh, Pedram and Kim have have made many more than that. <laughs> they, they they apparently they lead the the world in referrals this year. That was that was actually pointed out on stage by Tesla at the Franz von Holzhausen Q&A that I attended at the, uh, the factory tour event what last month. Anyway, uh, so you unlock a screen. If you make five referrals, you go in there and it says, you've unlocked the first secret level. Refer five more friends for the ability to purchase a Founders Series next-gen Roadster at a 10% discount. Unlock new levels with every five referrals for an additional 2% off per referral and amazing adventures that money can't buy. Get to 100% for a free Founders Series next-gen 
Roadster. Further details on our next-gen Roadster will be announced at a future date. So, hello. <laughs> that was unexpected. I mean, Elon has acknowledged the Roadster in the past. However, the Roadster wasn't even mentioned on Master Plan Part 2, uh, which, gosh, was that, was that this year or is that last year already? I, I'm, I've lost track of time. But in any case, it was, you know, the Master Plan Part 2 laying out the big goals for the next 10 years of the company. Next Gen Roadster wasn't even mentioned. We knew it was coming, but it, it clearly it didn't seem like a huge part of... of uh, of Tesla's roadmap, but it's there, it's on there, and it looks like maybe it's coming sooner than we think. Now, uh, 100% of the goals in the metagame, it ap that appears to be 55 referrals, because you have, to, you have to do five just to unlock the ability to start the, the quote-unquote game. And then it's 2% per referral after that. So I believe you have to get 55 referrals for a free... Tesla Roadster, uh, let's call it the 4.0, because the final iteration was the the 3.0, which is which is uh, if you take your 2.5, which was the last the, the you know the the last run of production Tesla Roadsters, and you did the uh, the the battery upgrade, then you you got an R80 badge on the back of the car, and your car is designated a Roadster 3.0, so. Uh, I am not at all the first person to suggest this, but I am in complete agreement with it. I now wonder, along with, again, many others, if Elon's cryptic hint about the whole, oh, you should, you should really come to the semi-truck reveal, I wonder if that means that the next-gen Roadster prototype is going to roll out of the back of that semi-truck trailer Knight Rider style. I mean, you know, Elon is nothing if not a fan of pop culture Americana. We've seen that time and again. In fact, I just, I just talked about, granted, like Monty, Monty Python's not Americana, but uh, we have seen Elon's pop culture awareness and his affinity for pop culture many, many times in the past. So I wonder if they're going to talk all about the semi and say, here's the semi and there's everything it's going to do and, you know, it's going to hopefully disrupt the trucking industry and then and then he maybe he's going to pull a straight up Steve Jobs and one more thing and then the back of that the back of that trailer is going to open up and out's going to roll the prototype for the next gen uh, Tesla Roadster that would be pretty cool i will say you know i really thought that model y was going to be the next car it's it, that's the one Elon has talked up that's the one Tesla has has uh, given the most information about, and maybe it still is. But let's say that the, the next-gen Roadster is revealed in September. And I will say, as, as cool as it sounds for it to go that way, I still have a bit of trouble wrapping my head around that because I feel like a reveal at the semi-event in September would, would take the focus not only off of the semi, but also even potentially the Model 3, because September is probably around when customer, when, when non-employee, let me rephrase that, when because all Tesla employees are customers, they're paying full price, when, uh, let's just call them public deliveries, non-Tesla non employee deliveries, are probably going to be starting in around September. So uh, it would seem like the Roadster, Next Gen Roadster, might be a bit of a distraction from that, even though the Roadster is obviously a completely different segment of the market. But anyway, the, the, a case for it, for it to happen as part of the semi-reveal in September, is that it could, not could, it absolutely would make headlines everywhere. Whereas the semi probably will. I mean, it's Tesla. Everything they do, for better and for worse, gets a lot of media attention. But where a lot of people might just click past, scroll past a, a Tesla Semi reveal, they're going to stop and look and click and read if it is uh, if there's a next-gen Roadster story in there as well. Uh, pure speculation now on my part. Because, of course, this announcement, this, this crazy reveal via the referral program gets me thinking... First of all, I have to imagine 
that Tesla is going to produce way more than 2,500 of the next-gen Roadsters, because that's how many of the original Roadster they, they produced, when obviously it was a contract with Lotus, they were just getting started, it, uh, you know, it, it's going to be way more, and I wonder how many per year. It's going to be interesting to see how many next-gen Roadsters per year, maybe 5,000? I mean, that's still, 5,000 is, uh, that's about 1,000 a, uh, a month. Uh, right? You know, so I don't, I don't know. It's, I guess the demand will dictate it, but I, I all, cause I also think that this is going to be a $200,000 car. The first Roadster, when it debuted in 2008, started at $109,000 before any tax incentive, which took it right down to just over a hundred thousand. But by the end by 2012, when the, the final Roadsters, the 2.5s, were being produced, if you had all the options on there, so there were some different carbon fiber, exposed carbon fiber options, and wheel options, the road, and you get the Roadster Sport, which was, you know, the two-tenths of a second quicker to 60 than the standard Roadster, the, the final Roadsters got up to a sticker price of, a, of like one fifty to, to 160000 or so. So I, I've just got to figure that given that this is clearly, almost certainly going to be a much more refined car that Tesla's going to build themselves, I expect it to be a bit of a bigger car because the, the, the Roadster is very small. You know, it's a, it's a modified Elise. You know, I know Elon kind of has gone out of his way to, to try and disprove that a lot. It's like, oh, only only 6% of parts are shared, which, well, but this is clearly a, it was clearly a car obviously built off the Elise platform. And, and my point is only that it's sized as such. It is a bit bigger than the Elise, but the Roadster is not a big car. Trust me, I just spent a week living with one. So, you know, it'll be a bigger car, more refined, a lot more creature comforts, autopilot, the whole nine yards. And, you know, you remember the tweet I read you from Elon, I guess a few weeks back now, where he, he basically suggested that 0 to 60 in two seconds flat would be, he said it would be, quote, interesting, but it would only count if you could do it straight off the production line with street legal tires. So that, I would think that's what Elon Musk is going to be aiming for and is aiming for with the next-gen Roadster, but, and as such, I've got to expect that, that that's going to be a $200,000 car, so uh, the chance to get a free one makes me wish I had a Tesla, because, uh, particularly an S, because then I'd be able to be giving out my own referral code. Believe me, I'm extremely grateful to all of the listeners who have kindly donated their code to me, just, again, for the lottery's chance of winning the uh, the Model S or Model X, but uh, yeah, it'll, 55 referrals. Somebody's going to do it, and I'll I'll actually bet that Tesla's going to be surprised at how many people. I think it's going to be more people get there than they than they expect. But uh, Founders Series too, which means one of the first batch. Also, the fact that they're doing a Founders Series next gen Roadster, they did not do that with the Model Three. So uh, I wonder if that means a signature series Roadster will come back as well since, you know, and it, it makes sense. The, the Model 3, it's their mass production car, their first truly mass production car. They didn't want to do a special line. They just wanted to get them out, get them going. But, you know, the Roadster is, as I just mentioned a minute ago, almost certainly going to be, if not, lim- I mean, relatively limited production. So I wonder if they will, in fact, do a signature series and uh, we'll wait and find out on that. Next this week, 20 stall superchargers, big supercharging stations, are under construction in Burbank and Albany. And in fact, an even bigger one is, uh, is under construction between San Francisco and L.A., which Electrek got the scoop on. And the point, I mean, there's really not too much to say about those other than just to, just to alert you of it that it's happening so whether you're an existing SRX owner, you should be reassured that, yes, Tesla is taking steps to um, can keep up with and, and hopefully stay ahead of supercharger demand. And if, like me, you are waiting for Model 3, 
then uh, that should be reassuring to you as it is to me that they are, the Tesla's making good on the promise to build these out so that when all of us Model 3 owners start flooding the roads in huge quantities here over the coming uh, one to two years, that the supercharger network is ready for it. Uh, I would have to imagine that the larger, these larger stations, these 20 plus stall stations, will probably start on the coasts uh, and, and work inward just as the original supercharger network itself did. They started on the coasts and, and came inward. And, you know, I, I would have to think Harris Ranch, for those of you who are existing Tesla owners, which is uh, north of Los Angeles, it's a very, very popular spot on the I-5 corridor between San Francisco and L.A., I would have to think Harris Ranch is going to be a good candidate for a, a substantial upgrade, provided the infrastructure exists there to support it. But uh, I also, I, I started picturing, it's going to be cool to see these 20-stall superchargers full of cars, right? Like, you know, a gas station, any gas station, a busy gas station might have around 15 to 20 cars in it, right? Like the busiest gas station that I can picture in my head around my area has probably, let's, yeah, probably around 20 total spaces, 20 pumps. So just picturing, you know, 20 EVs, 20 Teslas supercharging. I mean, that's a, That'll make for a really cool photo op as like, hey, look, here's the continued progress, forward progress of the electric vehicle movement. You know, it'll be great to see uh, see it just full of electric cars all on the road, all, you know, helping accelerate that transition to sustainable transport. Speaking of accelerating, Tesla is announcing an accelerated uh, service program upgrade that is on the way soon. According to Elon Musk, the service program will be updated in the, quote, very near future, not like the faraway future, he said in a very shaggy-like voice. Like the very near future, Scoob! Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's early. As you can see, I'm, I've got a little too much energy to start the morning. Uh, Tesla is going to be rolling out 100 new service centers. They have about 150 or so now, so that is almost a doubling. Electrek notes that Tesla claims that their service procedures, their service stations, service centers, that's all I'm looking for, will be four times faster than conventional shops while operating in spaces three times smaller. So again, Efficiency, 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 whether it's production, whether it's the cars themselves, and now that's being applied to service as well. Tesla trying to rethink their entire approach to service to try and get people in and get people out. Uh, they're also adding over 350 new mobile service vans because Tesla noting that, hey, we can diagnose 90% of issues remotely, thanks again to that over-the-air connection that enables so much good stuff in the cars. Uh, they are, in order to facilitate all this, they'll be hiring 1,400 new service technicians, which is fantastic news. And I thought this was neat. This will certainly, I'll appreciate this when, uh, when the time comes. You will soon be able to schedule a service appointment directly from your car, right from the screen in your car, which is great. I mean, that's that that's the peak of convenience right there. If your car does need something, they diagnose it over the air, and then you can just write on your screen, make an appointment. Of course, I hope I never need to schedule an appointment at all. But, you know, you, you'll need your checkup from time to time just to evaluate the battery pack every every year or two is what Tesla recommends there. And finally this week, Tesla noting that the fleet has crossed 5 billion, with a B, lifetime miles. In Elon Musk speak, that is 17 Earth to Mars round trips. And a billion of those, by the way, were added in the last quarter alone. That means this is going to start going up at a much faster, dare I say even exponential 
rate in the next one to two years as not only more and more S's and X's continue to hit the streets, but as the Model 3 ramps up in production and starts to flood the streets. That'll be good stuff. That is it for the news this week. I'm going to come right back. We've got plenty of excellent callers lined up in the Ride the Lightning hotline with a number of very interesting, relevant topics to discuss. So stay tuned for that right after this. Time for your calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic, give me a call. Toll free anytime. The number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. Or you can just record your question on your smartphone, your voice recorder on your smartphone, and email me that file. Send it to teslapodcast at gmail.com. But uh, I want to thank lifeonrecord.com for, of course, continuing to provide the Ride the Lightning hotline. If you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Let's start with Zach in Baton Rouge, who uh, thinks that the Model 3 production expectation not being as optimistic as the original plan could be a good thing. So, Zach, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Zach again from Bad Rouge. I have an opinion about the Model 3 production numbers. Um, they are less than they were previously reported, but I'm looking at it a different way, and I think it's actually great news for Model 3 reservation holders. Um, if you go by their old numbers, where they were saying they would uh, produce uh, like 10,000 a month in August and up to 20,000 a month in November, um, they would have hit the 200,000 mark and, and started to phase out in, um, in November if you include the Model S and X sales if they would have continued as they did last year. But if you look at the new numbers with the slower production rate, which is 30 in July and maybe 20,000 in December, then at the end of December, if Model S and X sales are what they were last year, they will actually be at 195,000 by the end of the year, which would be perfect for starting the phase out January of next year, which we have tax credits to not expire completely until September of 2019. And I think that's a lot better than getting your model through a couple of weeks early. Um, thanks for taking the call. Uh, I love the show. Thank you for the call, Zach. And before I forget, too, I did want to mention the July bonus episode of Ride the Lightning is up on Patreon for the $10 and up Patreon supporters. That is, of course, all of the excess excellent calls that I get each and every month that I just can't fit in, just don't have time to get in on the regular weekly episode. Uh, That's Ryan from Denver's on there, Lawton in Chicago, Aaron in Connecticut, Jason in Newport Beach, Jeff from Grand Rapids, Matt from Nova Scotia, Jim from Idaho, Michael from Milbrae, lots of cool stuff discussed on there. So if you are uh, a Patreon supporter at the $10 or higher level, be sure to log in and download or listen to that because uh, you've got some more more goodness from the Ride the Lightning hotline in there. Now, Zach, your call. Uh, You have a good point. Although I think it's a bit more about the timing of when Tesla crosses that 200,000 threshold. Ideally... They'll time it, they'll game it to be on the first day of a new quarter because then they'd effectively get a free quarter out of it in order to give tax credits, full tax credits, to every single car they sell before that two, that uh, multi-quarter phase-out begins, that gradual phase-out. Now, the good news is that if all goes well, it looks like there's a decent chance that Elon will be able to fulfill his promise. Although, okay, I guess it wasn't a promise, just more of a tweet, <laughs> more of a, of a of a his thoughts and tweet. But anyway, the his his thought that just about everyone on the uh, original reservation list should get at least some portion of the credit. So, Zach, thank you for your call. Our buddy Mike in Charlottesville calls in again this week. Wonders if a uh, Tesla owner who reserves a month after him 
might still get priority. Let's talk about this. This is this is always uh, a topic that applies to all of us, whether you're an owner or not. So Mike, take it away. Hey, Ryan, this is Mike from Charlottesville. So I am a reservation, a mile three reservation holder. And my question for you is, I did not reserve mine on day one, but I've reserved it about a week or two after they released it to the public. Um, so if a Tesla owner was to reserve theirs, say, months after me or shortly after me, would they still have preference over me, or is it still based on timing uh, rather than uh, if you're a current Tesla owner? So I'd like to see what you think about this, and thanks. Bye. Unfortunately, Mike, we just don't know. Tesla has never, never clarified exactly how that whole priority system works. I mean, we have to presume that there was no expiration date on that. And thus, if you're an existing Tesla owner who put down a Model 3 reservation today, uh, or let's, let's phrase it this way, that if you've got an existing Model 3 reservation and you don't already own a Tesla, so like me, and uh, a, an existing Tesla owner in your area put down a Model 3 reservation today, we have to presume for now that they might be ahead of you in line. Now, there, of course, there are, that the thing is, the reason we can't really know is because there are so many other factors. You know, they're starting on the West Coast. Where do you live? And what are you ordering? And, you know, where, where is your place in line? And are you a Tesla owner? And are you a Tesla employee? So there's so many variables to this that we just don't know. But uh, again, I, Tesla hasn't said one way or the other. I mean, I, I hope it's not, it's not like I said. I hope it's not a case of if somebody in your area that's a, that's a Tesla owner jumps on the list tomorrow that they move ahead of you and you camped out on March 30th to get yours on first thing on the 31st. I mean, that, that would be, that would be a little unfortunate. Uh, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, maybe it's ultimately not going to make much difference as far as when you get your car, but we just, we still don't know. So hopefully, uh, somebody can get clarity out of Tesla before production really hits high gear. Uh, they, Elon doesn't take questions at the events. Like he, it's not a press conference. So sadly, I probably won't get to ask him if I, even if I do, if I am able to go to the July 28th event. But um, hopefully somebody will, will get a hold of him or, or a representative at Tesla and, and maybe get some clarity on it before, uh, again, before Model 3 production really, really ramps up. All right, let's go now to uh, two callers with the same track of thought here. They're both commenting on the IIHS crash test situation from a week or two ago. Uh, let's hear from, you're going to hear from Paul in Texas, and then immediately after, Evan, who, uh, and then I will reply to both of those guys. So gentlemen, take it away. Hey, Ryan, this is Paul from Texas. I just heard what you said about uh, Tesla and Elon taking a little shot at the IIHS testing. But you do have to remember that IIHS testing is for the insurance industry, and we're already starting to hear noise about insurance companies wanting to double or triple premiums on Teslas because apparently Tesla drivers get into more accidents or something like that. Anyway, it's not totally unfounded. It is kind of snippy, but... I don't know. I think it's worth looking into a little deeper. Thanks. Love the show. Bye. Hi, Ryan. It's Adam uh, from Denver, Colorado. Uh, huge fan of the show. Love Tesla a lot. Love your show. Love hearing about Tesla for an hour or so each week where I get a lot of my news. I uh, do a lot of my own research, though, um, which is why I was calling, actually. Uh, was listening to episode 101, uh, talking about the 2017 Model S getting a less than perfect states rating again. Um, I was unaware that the 2017 Model S had gone under safety test, um, but I was aware of the 2016 model, and uh, I'm listening to the podcast in my car right now, and I called because I could have sworn uh, that a week or so, maybe two weeks ago, I had seen a video come out um, on my recommended page on YouTube telling me, um, showing a comparison between the Model S and a couple of other uh, 
full full uh, full size four door sedans um, around the same price point, and it was showing the small overlap test. Um, and it seemed to me visually, I'm not a safety uh, I'm not a safety guru or a safety analyst, I should say. Um, but visually, like from my standpoint, it seems that the Model S was performing two to three hundred times better um, than the other vehicles. I mean, just visually, you could tell the car seemed to have handled it better. Um, I know previously uh, Tesla has been under some heat because they are disrupting they are disrupting you know the car industry um, in every way possible. And so I was just curious if you thought um, there was any other motives for the IHS to maybe give them a different rating, or if you were under the impression that the IHS is a completely unbiased uh, test. Um, just curious. I don't know too much about the about that process or about that uh, side of the industry, but I have always loved Teslas for their safety, and one of the things that always stood to me was they were always able to make a car with a perfect five-star safety rating in every category. Um, so with this, I just kind of wanted to get your two cents on it and see if you thought that it was deserved or if you thought that maybe there is some ulterior motive. Uh, not 100% sure. just wanted to hear your take on it. I wanted to hear you go into it a little bit deeper. Um, but... uh even if you don't, thanks for your time. Uh, appreciate you letting me make the call. Thanks. Bye. Guys, thank you for your thoughts on this. And Evan, I know you weren't even putting up the appearance of trying to be definitive about that in your call, but I, you know, we we have to go by the IIHS's numbers and measurements because the eye test can only tell us so much. It's uh, you know, it's like I, I'm a big baseball fan, and you know, analytics have taken over baseball and. And the, the, the old-fashioned scouts who, who uh, grade players on just the eye test, there's, uh, those guys, are, those guys are, are not being as valued anymore. The eye t- it's, it's, you got to go by the numbers. What does the data tell you? And, and I'm not saying that Tesla is necessarily wrong and that there, that there aren't, in fact, biases in play. What I had a problem with on last week's show was how Tesla handled it. Now, I mean, if the IIHS is wrong, Tesla needs to show that rather than just complain about it, in my opinion. If there's a bias or there's an unfair subjective evaluation, it, Tesla needs to show that, like they've been so good about with so many things in the past. For them to simply deflect blame, as I was talking about last week, in my opinion, that was just a very un-Tesla-like response because to me, they're better than that. So, uh, Paul and Evan, thank you for those calls on that topic. Let's go now to Kyle in New Jersey. Two more calls. Kyle in New Jersey. First up, he uh, has ultimately an autopilot question. But before that, uh, he has he has words that, that warmed my heart and made me feel real good. So, Kyle, take it away. Hey, Ryan. This is Kyle from New Jersey. Uh, just calling uh, because I kind of wanted to say thank you to not only you, but also kind of anybody who's, who's had a part in this podcast, whether they've called in or, you know, just had anything um, knowledgeable to offer because I've been fortunate enough to have just landed a job with Tesla this past week. Uh, it's a brand new role called Customer Experience Specialist, and I owe a lot of my knowledge and passion uh, for Tesla to this podcast. Um, I would not know nearly as much, be half as knowledgeable or, you know, as passionate as I am about the company if it weren't for this podcast and all the great information and, and, you know, discussion that, that you bring. Um, you know, aside from that, I guess, uh, just one, one question. I'm thinking about, you know, how autopilot has been rolled out in, in kind of waves on uh, every other platform, whether it was, uh, you know, Model S or X, and uh, it was also rolled out in waves once Hardware 2 came along. Just thinking about what's, is there any information on the situation for the three? Um, I haven't come across anything that says, you know, full self-driving, or not necessarily full self-driving, but maybe, you know, uh, enhanced autopilot will be available as soon as the Model 3 is out, or is it going to be one of those things where, you know, the car needs to become kind of acclimated to itself and then we get, you know, steps of autopilot as, uh, as the months progress. So yeah, just wanted to say thank you and, uh, you know, offer that question up. So thanks so much. First of all, Kyle, thank you for that. Really. You, you genuinely, you genuinely made my day when I first listened to your call a couple days ago. 
I mean, out of so many wonderful calls from so many nice people that I've gotten on this podcast over the past two years, uh, yours definitely ranks up there as one of the nicest, and it means a lot. Thank you so much. And by the way, congratulations on that new gig at Tesla. That is fantastic. All I ask in return is that you tell everyone at Tesla about this podcast and suggest that they listen to it. Let's get everybody in the company listening. Uh, anyway, to answer your question, the S and X Autopilot have rolled out pretty much in tandem. Model X had Hardware One Autopilot from the day it released, at least as I recall. Please, if, if you are a Founder Series or even Signature Series Model X owner, please correct me if I've got that wrong, but I believe I've got that correct. So, point being, there's really no reason to believe that the Model 3 won't have feature parity with the S and X at all times in the autopilot department. And I'm talking right from July 28th. I mean, there's, yes, of course, the Model 3 has its own release of the software. Uh, it, it obviously, so does the X, by the way, even though the S and the X are, you know, it's the same screen, that same 17-inch uh, portrait-oriented screen. They still have their own their own uh, slight versions because obviously, of course, the X the X software has all the door stuff in it and what have you. Anyway, uh, and the Model 3 has the totally different UI. Uh, at least the UI design is completely different. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, there's no reason to, to believe that the Model 3 will not have feature parity with S and X's autopilot right from the jump. And, and it'll continue to evolve uh, at, the same, at the same pace, meaning... I don't think you'll see the S and the X get major autopilot updates before the 3 gets it. I think they'll, they'll all always roll out in tandem, especially when you consider the fact that the Model 3 fleet is going to outgrow the S and the X fleet combined in the next couple of years. So um, wouldn't worry about that. We should all be getting super cool autopilot that's the same autopilot as any Tesla owner has. All right, final call this week comes from Scott in Fort Worth, Texas, who wonders, well, I'll let him ask it. Go ahead, Scott. Hey, Ryan. Scott here from Fort Worth, Texas. I've got a bit of a pessimistic question for you today. Let's say that hypothetically in a couple years' time, uh, more and more companies uh, get on board just like Volvo did, and uh, Elon's dream of a world of completely sustainable transport actually comes to fruition. Now, what if, as a part of that, unfortunately, Tesla, as a smaller new company, just loses out through that natural competition? Uh, basically, what happens to our vehicles then if the company who made them is no longer able to uh, keep up service centers to service our vehicles, uh, to service the charging stations? We can't get over-the-air updates anymore, uh, things like that. Um, do the competing companies or whoever chooses to uh, buy out Tesla, and then the employees then are able to continue servicing the vehicles under that new company, uh, does Tesla then just switch to a maintenance company to service its existing vehicles and other uh, electric vehicles of that same kind? Uh, what do you think would happen in this scenario? Basically, the root of my question is, how much of a gamble are we taking as consumers in purchasing a vehicle whose value is actually directly tied to the success of the company that made it? Uh, love to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for the podcast. I uh, appreciate everything you do. Take care. First of all, I don't think this will happen. Uh, the good news, Scott, I think we are way past the point of Tesla failing. They're, you know, by, by one metric, which is, of course, the stock valuation and thus overall value of the company, they're the most valuable automotive company in the world. Although, I, you know, I know they, I guess they... The, the stock dropped a bit over the last couple of weeks, and that's not officially true. Anyway, they're right there, and I know that that's, that in and of itself is a, a loaded topic full of arguments on both sides about whether or not that really means anything. Anyway, even with other auto manufacturers finally, finally getting on board the EV train, Tesla's still light years ahead of them for two primary reasons, in my humble opinion. Number one is the supercharger network. Tesla has been investing in that infrastructure for the past five years. I just did a story this week 
on the efforts going into expanding and growing the supercharger network. You simply cannot build a high-speed charging network overnight, even if you have a lot of resources like a lot of uh, other car companies that are bigger than Tesla in, if not the valuation sense, than in the sheer just force of manufacturing and production kind of sense. Now, uh, and you remember too, as when Tesla invested in their supercharging network initially five years ago, Tesla had very, very few resources. But the fact is, it still takes time. You've got to, you've got to identify the sites, and you've got. You I mean there's so much. You you got to build them. You got There's so much to it that it simply cannot occur overnight. Um, which is probably why you know we've heard stories. Uh, J.B. Straubel has commented that. Tesla is talking to other manufacturers about sharing the supercharger network because it certainly it makes it there is a mutual benefit there, right? It's it's a of benefit to the other auto manufacturers because they don't have to invest and put up the money and build it themselves. And for Tesla, it accelerates their mission statement. So uh, that's that's I think why we we will see it at some point. The question is just whether or not it's sooner. Or later. Anyway, reason number two uh, why uh, why I'm not too uh, worried about this is over-the-air updates. I'm talking about fleet learning. Until every car company starts keeping their cars connected over the air to the mothership cloud on a 24/7 basis, the way Tesla has done from day one of the Model S program. Tesla's going to be able to use fleet learning and software updates to stay way, way ahead of everybody else. Uh, they just they just are. I mean, that's, that's the fact of the matter. They're, they're going to be able to use that data to, uh, to, to learn exponentially faster than their competition. But let's entertain your scenario for a moment, though. And I can actually speak to this because I owned an orphan car for 12 years. What I, what I can tell you would probably happen is that there would be an entire community that would spring up around the car. That community really already exists. So, yes, over-the-air updates would probably go away, but parts for the cars would be almost certainly readily available, and if they weren't, they would probably be manufactured by specialty boutique Tesla service places that would that would you know fill in the absence of Tesla themselves. You'd see uh, again these sort of specialized service shops, third-party service shops spring up. I'll tell you, there's there's a place I uh, I drove by one time in San Francisco. That uh, that had four Fisker Karmas outside, and they uh, looking on the, their sign. They seem to specialize in in electrics and sort of hybrids. So that place, I mean, I would have to guess that that's exactly what the the Bay Area Fisker Karma owners are doing. Like this this garage, this shop is is there to is that's their support system now for the if you're a Fisker Fisker Karma owner. So I think places like that would pop up, and I think it would be okay. You know, although many of the less hardcore people that own Teslas now, I'm talking your, you know, maybe your average, your average family who who buy who bought the car for its safety or for for whatever reason they bought the car, but they're not a Tesla fanatic. Maybe they would probably a lot of them would probably sell their cars because they just wouldn't want to deal with with the increased level of commitment and, and really the increased level of enthusiasm that it would take in a, in a Tesla being dead scenario to own and maintain their car. But I, I can, again, I can almost promise you from personal experience on this that it would be okay if it did happen. But I don't think it's happening. Thank you all so much for your calls this week. Great stuff. Keep them coming. The toll-free number to dial in anytime, day or night, leave a message, 1-888-989-8752.
That's 1-888-989-TSLA. Or just record your question on your smartphone. Email me the file to teslapodcast at gmail.com. Be right back to wrap things up for you right after this. All right, I mentioned earlier that the July bonus episode of Ride the Lightning featuring all the excess awesome Ride the Lightning hotline calls uh, is up on Patreon, patreon.com slash teslapodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash teslapodcast. Uh, that's the $10 and up tier gets you the bonus episodes each and every month. I want to thank everybody if you uh, are supporting me on Patreon. If you're not, maybe take a look at the page, the Patreon page that I just gave you the, the, the URL for, and maybe consider it. You know, it's all, all I ask is that you take a look. I want to thank the Patreon producers. These are uh, our latest one. His name is Sean Fournier. Welcome, Sean. Thank you so much for your support. And Sean is joined, of course, by Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, John Waltower, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael O'Prey, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Johnny Ford, Robert Maracle, Kyle Stover, Vince Vaughn, John Lasher, Harold Plug, Jason Chalukas, Charlie Payne, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Andreas Cohen, uh, and that is everybody. Thank you all so much. Uh, Abstract Ocean, outfit yourself and or your Tesla and get 20% off. So visit abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST. That's all one word at checkout. Use that code at checkout to get 20% off of your order there. If you're buying a Tesla, get yourself $1,000 off and free unlimited lifetime supercharging, which is otherwise unavailable anymore. Use the referral code GORDON1872. So the, the easiest way is just put this into your browser because that's probably where you're going to configure and, and uh, place the order for your car. The link to type in is ts.la slash Gordon1872. That's G-O-R-D-O-N, Gordon1872. Thank you to Gordon in Hawaii for uh, lending me his referral code this quarter or whatever this referral period ends up being. You can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And uh, that about wraps it up. Uh, I guess I'll mention real quick, too, because just, just it's on my mind since a, a new episode went up this week. If you happen to follow me for, if you have any interest in my video game work, my day job stuff, I do a, an interview show, a Charlie Rose style thing on IGN called IGN Unfiltered. They're hour-long, super deep-dive conversations with renowned game creators and video game industry people. It's kind of a passion project of mine. I do The episodes are once per month. Uh, just posted a new one with one of my all-time most... The, the, just game designers I, I admire most, Warren Spector. He is the creator of Deus Ex. He's the creator of Ultima Underworld. He did Epic Disney Epic Mickey, System Shock, just an absolute legend of a guy and had a wonderful about an hour and five minute conversation with him. So you can look that up on YouTube or IGN.com if you're, if you're interested in those kind of deep dive things. If you're not already subscribing to Ride the Lightning, please do so because then it's easier. The show just gets downloaded to you automatically. You don't have to seek it out. You can subscribe on most major podcast services, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, and by the way, uh, with regard to TuneIn, I believe I finally, finally managed to get a hold of a human being at TuneIn, and I believe the Ride the Lightning logo, the cover art, should now show up. So if you're like me and you get real uh, particular about wanting cover art for all your stuff, all your music, and all your, the stuff you listen to. And especially if you listen in your Tesla, take a look in your Tesla if you're an owner 
please let me know because you can search the podcast on there and find it and listen to it in your car. It should have the cover art now. Please let me know if it doesn't so that I can go bother tune in again, the tune-in folks again. Uh, or, by the way, and I'll just mention the, the website, the hosting website that I use if you want to just go listen to individual shows or uh, pick up the RSS feed or download MP3 files, you can do that at teslapodcast.libsyn.com. That wraps it up for the 102nd edition of Ride the Lightning. We've got, uh, what, let's see. Wow, just one more show until the big July 28th event. I really hope I'm able to go. One way or the other, though, we're going to have a lot to talk about. So happy electric motoring, and I will see you back here same time next week.